Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 48, Excel Porn 2. That's how math works. Don't need to know me. No one needs to know me. <laughs> Internet persona only. I am Douglas Scoundrels to the world. I'll, I'll forever know you as. No, I'm not gonna kill him. <laughs> There's no way I can kill him. Turns out that was a fucking lie. Turns out Doug isn't as good at math as he thought he was. Forgotten Neil gets like nine swings a turn before the errata. In, in my defense, I would not stop flipping moderate damage. Right. I was like, oh, I'm a min two. This ain't gonna happen no matter how many swings I got. I was wrong. It was funny though. It was, it was hilarious. It was I love it. Yeah, he's already dead. <laughs> I guess that's a good that's a good start. Hey, well, welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. Oh shit, we were recording. Yeah, we were recording the entire time. I do this every time because I'm stuck in a rut. I can't come up with anything clever that's like pre-produced, so I just gotta wait for an awkward moment, like me comforting the man piloting a. Howard Langston with full wounds, saying that Neil Henry's not going to kill him, and then kill, killing him. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. 30 seconds later, killing him. It was not 30 seconds, because I was like five it was attacks. Same activation, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but it was a lot okay, of AP. It was, it was a long activation, I'll give you that. <laughs> yes. Like a minute. Solid. Hey, welcome to the second round of uh, XL uh, Naughty Talk. I'm your host, Doug. And with me are four other sensual individuals uh yeah mike say hi hello everybody i am back i'm awake uh yeah let's go in order of what squadcast says hi cool how you doing i'm doing and our boy the man with the numbers read himself i i am i am ready for another episode of xl after dark oh yeah it's the best kind of xl and not quite sounding himself is definitely Brian Bailing of Schemes and Stones. Uh, say hi. Hi, I am definitely Brian. <laughs> I am not yeah. an imposter at all. He's wearing a different face no. today. Pay no, yeah, but no mind. I, I hear you're you're acting out uh, a, a local play, and you're just trying to get into method acting and just portraying your character at all times. So uh, what's the name of your character, Brian? So we'll just call you that from now on. Uh, the character I'm playing is Nathan from Columbus. Okay. All right. Nathan. Yes. I'm also playing as a good player right now. Whoa. <laughs> 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 mean. <laughs> Coming out swinging. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. So we got some more data to go over. But first, why don't we swing it back over to Reed to talk about all the wonderful, amazing things that have happened in the two weeks since we last recorded. You have, like, two interesting announcements, yes? Sure. So the the two interesting announcements, we had a couple people asking last time if they could have access to the this this magical pornographic Excel file. Um, and the answer is no, but you can have access to the Google Sheet that it is. So that is currently pinned in the Steam Powered Scoundrels Discord, but now there's a, a nice, better curated public page that people can look at that I don't know if I can get added to the show notes or something, yeah. but it, it no longer ends. 
it no longer has data on this sheet that other that is, is important that could be changed. Uh, so if you wanted to play around with some of what we were talking about, that is now possible for you in the privacy of your own home. And then the the second announcement, really the only thing that kind of changed from the data that we talked about last time, because last time we we talked a lot about uh, factions and how the factions were doing as a whole, and then we talked about schemes. Today we're going to dig into um, some individual strats and then some individual masters. But the one thing that changed with schemes, we had the kind of mini rant about how research mission is weird and just is is weird. It doesn't behave like the other schemes because of its its massive num. Uh, it it has the highest average points scored on it by far, but it has a very subpar winning percentage based on what you would think. And between the last episode and this episode, we had the first instance in the Malifaux World Series of a round where research mission was paired with symbols of authority as a strat. Uh, and given, you know, with, with symbols, obviously, is a different strat because you actually pick up the symbols off the board in comparison to Turf War, Break the Line, or uh, Corrupted Ley Lines. And in that round, we saw a research mission behave much more like the rest of the pool. Um, it wasn't taken nearly as often, and the people who were taking it had crews that were kind of more designed to score it. And so with symbols, where you weren't as likely to be using the strat marker for the third marker, it behaved much more normally and, and certainly would kind of indicate that all you'd really need to do to make a research mission behave fine is to make strat markers don't count. So that that is the, the one kind of thing that I would adjust from last week. Research mission is still weird and doesn't behave right in 75% of situations. So if it gets continued on to GD3, whenever that comes out, hopefully this year, weird either A, make it so strategy markers don't work towards it, or B, just not have strategy markers or have them removed. Yeah, that makes it sense. It seems easier to fix research mission than... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think there was also exciting news about Nekama, right, Reed? <laughs> <laughs> there, there exciting was, uh, is a word. <laughs> exciting is a word. So, you know, look, as I said, there's there's always new play with various masters that are being kind of unlocked. You know, um, in, in the most recent round, we had Explorers is playing Anya 2 a bunch more than they were at the start of the year. Outcast is playing Hamlin 2 more than they were at the start of the year. And so we're seeing some of those masters change in their win rates. Uh, but Nikima 2 went from zero wins in 11 games, and now in just two short weeks, she's at zero wins in 13 games. <laughs> so, you know, that is also progress in a direction. So good for Nikima 2. In total, she is now uh, zero wins, nine losses, and four ties. She is being outscored on average. 2.85 to 5.23. So wow. that that sure is a master who exists and is seeing a great deal of play. There there are a lot of masters that don't have 13 matches in the whole Malifaux World Series, but uh, Neverborn keeps plugging away at making Broodmother work. Uh, and and I, I am not a Neverborn player, so I don't want to venture a guess as to why, but I can just say that Whatever's happening is is not the thing for her. Keep trying, guys. Does this spreadsheet that 
we we can see now. Does it have the player names on it? I know the old one did. The old one did. This one does not. So for public release pur- purposes, no, there are no player names attached to any of this. Okay. Uh, that that data was all chopped off. I was curious if it's not you know not meaning to call anyone out, but is it one person playing a lot of Nekoma two and just can't figure her out, or is it a lot of people playing her and as a community aren't figuring her out? I I believe it's the second, but one second, let me let me open my my personal file. The unrestricted. Yeah. I also had something that I don't know how quickly you can collect that information, but something I definitely want to see if we can get to it. And that is, um, you have like the the winningest, losingest masters uh, per faction, but I'm also curious, who has the worst or best diff? Uh, yeah, we could figure that out. Uh, the answer is, of those 13 games, it is 8 different players. Okay, oh, wow. so a, a, a reasonable spread, at least. It's yeah. not one person played her 11 times and lost. No. Alright, so you are looking for the master with the worst diff. Master or masters, if it's easy to spread them out by faction. I want to know who to pity. <laughs> I don't remember, did the two Nakima vs. Nakima games happen before or after the last recording? Uh, both of the Nakima vs. Nakima games ended in ties. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was one Nakima versus Nakima game that was a win for one of them. Was it? Yeah, on the 15th. But well, I don't know. Nakima won winning over Nakima Oh, wait, no, then? I just read that wrong. Never mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So, sorting masters by diff, we unfortunately get some, like, masters where there's only one game. Ah. Hey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that was that the the only the only game that Mayfang Two has played into Ten Thunders when I got absolutely blown off the table by Ophelia. <laughs> Let's see. So I would say Sonia Two. It, yeah, Sonia Two has has three games. All three of them have been losses, and that average is. to 6.67. So whatever is happening in Sonya 2 has also not been working. But that's a four over a four point diff. Yeah. Dang. Why is Uh, Titania on there three times? Because one is Titania 1, one is Titania 2, and one is Titania as a keyword. Okay. No wins for Titania surprises me so much. Neverborn has just. (laughs) Yeah, although this, this they've been having a rough go, but uh, this this last round, this last round they got was was their best round of the year. Uh, I oh, think they wow. went six, three, and four in the in the last round. The last round being round three. Yeah, round three. Yeah, six, three, and four. So I I don't know if they just figured out turf war. Um, it was a very heavy. Uh, Lots of lots of Dreamer and Euripides, but between between Dreamer and Euripides, that was eight games, and Neverborn had one loss. Ooh. So that I don't me. know if maybe people are just figuring out. 
Nightmare I think, and Savage a little more, or or what? I guess as people listen to this podcast, we're like, all right, someone's got to go win with Neverborn. There you go. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Oh, did did we actually record the talk about like the eight seven games, the eight six games, the seven six games? Or was that after? I think we... that was post recording. I don't okay. remember. Yeah, I think that was post recording. Okay, cool. Well, then, listening to it. I, I can do, I can talk about it now. Cool, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I had I had Reed do some number crunching for me because I wanted to know if a piece of advice I tell people often was correct or not, and that's as long as you're shooting for seven points, you're going to win because no one really loses eight to seven. That just doesn't <laughs> happen. And that was anecdotal evidence because I never really saw that in any of the tournaments I ran. But Reed ran the numbers, and I, I don't think he saw any 8 7 games. A few 8 6 games and more 7 6 games. But. And I uh, think like a rare 7 7 tie, if I want to. <laughs> still, right. still, still not a loss. Still not a loss. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, o- overall, your, your theory held up that if you can just score 7 <laughs> points, you probably have won the game. Yeah, I think the, if you're scoring eight, it's a huge blowout, but always having that flexible point where like, hey, this is the one I care the least about if I don't score it, meh, uh-huh. uh, saves a little bit on the brain drain, for me anyways. That's like, uh, not Breakthrough, what's what's the one I hate? It's coming, that's on GG. <laughs> Two, uh, bait and switch? Bait and switch, yes. Yeah. That's your uh, that's your only one point strategy yeah. that scheme there, but I mean it still works. You're still probably going to win if you get seven points. So um, by this, once this happens, we're going to see a ton of like eight seven games, and people will <laughs> laugh at me, and it'll be great. I don't mind being proven wrong. Okay, <laughs> we got stuff. We have the podcast prep. So last thing we ended off with, I think, is research mission being weird. Yes. So next uh, up, yeah, go ahead. So so next up, uh, talking about strats a little bit, and and you you very nicely segued in in a way that I'm absolutely certain was intentional. Uh, <laughs> but the um the, the tipping points for like okay, if you score this much on a strat, you're probably going to win. And when we look at when we look at the four strats, it, it is very clear that corrupted leyline is the one that you want to be scoring the most on. Corrupted Leyline is the one where there is a losing record if you score three on the strat and a winning record if you score four on the strat. But for Break the Line, Symbols, and Turf War, it's a losing record if you score two, but a winning record if you score three. So Corrupted Leylines is is the, the highest scoring of the strats. Um, and and definitely, if if you want to put yourself in the best position to win, that's the strat you gotta score points on. And and we see we do see that tipping point noticeably higher in corrupted ley lines versus the other three. I think the obvious thing being that corrupted ley lines is the only strategy where you can technically score turn one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's the one. only it's the only strategy where you can't take away an opponent's ability to score really. Yeah, un- unless you table them it's tricky. Yeah. Right. Um, and and then I have I have a couple random almost strat weird pieces of trivia here. 
in the how many do I have now? Four four hundred some odd games. There's only <laughs> been zero scored on a strat twelve times, and those have all twelve been losses. Uh, Imagine score, if they weren't right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Somebody somebody got that. No, just very heavy scheme only pool and a denial, but uh, scoring one on the strat uh, is eight wins, 89 losses, and eight ties. Jeez. <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, especially given that it's the highest scoring strat, or no, I'm sorry, sorry, that was, that was wrong. That's not on Corrupted Alliance. It's um, of those eight wins, uh, four are on Symbols of Authority and three are on Turf War. So if you can just prevent your opponent from scoring, uh, scoring four points on the strat, uh, 134 wins, 14 losses, and eight ties. Uh, those 14 losses of scoring four on the strat, eight of them are corrupted ley lines. And again, just the assumption is both you and your opponent scored four <laughs> on the strat. Uh, and then five on break the line. So of those 14, 13 are between those two. Uh, games in which both players have scored four on the strat has happened 20 times. Uh, eight on break the line, twelve on corrupted ley lines. Again, those are just those are the high scoring ones that both you and your opponent can both score highly. Right, like turn um, four, you can't. It's impossible to have four four. Yeah, there's not enough markers on the board for that to happen. And yeah. symbols is just damn hard to do. It's, it. it's very difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just you have to have just completely walked past each other. Yeah, yeah. Two very non-killy crews against each other. Right. <laughs> A turf war, like mathematically, it just can't happen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then score complete blowouts on the strat. So four zero or four one has happened twenty two times in break the line, eight <laughs> times in corrupted ley lines, <laughs> eight times in symbols, and ten times in turf war. So if there's going to be just a complete one side is the only one that wins, break the line seems to be the one that's it. Which again makes sense with the way that your opponent can't score it if they're all on one side of the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, some, I can see that. some interesting, and, and again, you know, it's, it's, it is nice when it is nice when we learn new things from the data, but it's also nice when the data confirms things that we suspected. Uh, but there's your, your brief little rundown of the way some of the strats behave. I'm curious what those factions were that got the winning, Games, but only one strat point. Let's see. Strat point one. I feel like the the, uh, victories for scoring one in turf is just a massive bloodbath on on both teams. Looks like the. Oh, we're at. So again, there's small changes to the data. It looks like we've now had 11 wins. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So those 11 wins. uh, Mayfang 2. In Arcanists, uh, Tony one did it. Uh, Dashel one has done it twice. Uh, Lady Justice two has done it three times. Uh, Lucius two in Guild has done it once. Dreamer two has done it once. Lucius one in Neverborn has done it once. Parker two and Parker two has done it once. So those are the eleven masters who have pulled off. Uh, or the 11 instances of a master pulling off a win with only one strat point. I would, well, I would have expected all of them to be brawlers. The heavy well, concentration in guild makes sense with how yeah. people play guild. 
Six, so what is that? That's six of those 11 are guild masters. Yeah. That's disproportionately high for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at least one of them was a guild master just taking another faction. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If we, if we count Lucius one being a dual faction thing, then, then yeah, you can easily say the guild has seven of those and yep. Oh, and that Lucius one game was against, uh, Nakima. Yes, it was. Oh, but it was against the team of one. So oh. we can't really. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but still never born. But still never born. Yes. <laughs> okay. My poor Popo. Anything else exciting about these, these tipping points? Not, not the least bit surprised that Turf War is the lowest scoring one, just because killing has a direct effect on the scoring. Mm-hmm. And people seem to really, really love killing lately. So, yeah, I think it it's interesting. Again, the the four zero or four one break the line has not quite, but almost as much as the rest of them combined. Mm-hmm. Which you know, again, like you said, it confirms what we probably would have already thought, where it's very much a snowball strat. If you're leading early, there's a good chance you're going to be leading all game. And there gets there also gets to a point where you just can't deny your opponent scoring four. It's mm-hmm. actually not that hard to do because if you bury it far enough in your the the two symbols you bury them far enough in your opponent's part of the board, they just don't have the AP to dig it out to right. deny it. Well, it's the four zero that's interesting to me because it meant one crew had all four markers under control. Yep, I'm I'm. Actually, really curious what if there's a uh, any sort of pattern with those particular masters. The the four O's and break the line. Yeah, four O's for ones. Yeah, I know at least one of those was me with Jensen too. Let's see here. Two explorers. Hey, Euripides one did it, and uh, and then two outcasts, and then. Oh, no, that, yeah, I did put just... Man, it, it, Explorers is responsible for a lot of them. Oh, wow. So, let's see. Of the 4, 1, and 4, 0, oh, and break the line, Explorers is 8 of the 20. That's a lot. I saw a lot of Maxine there. But it, it's also spread out. There's a bunch of Maxine, a bunch of Jeds, or a couple of Jedza, a couple of Nexus, a couple yeah. of Anya. I'm looking at who they're against. A few Nekum. It's quite spread out, though. Which mm. tab are we staring at? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're staring at the query tab. Uh, okay. <laughs> Doug's just lost. I was yes, lately lost. <laughs> oh, I suppose I could be screen sharing again since I I just passed oh, no, the, the, the link to everything. I'm I'm there now. I was just staring at the p- podcast notes like an idiot. So, <clears throat> Marcus Two is responsible for I think all of Arcanist's Four zero and four ones. Uh, looks like it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can see yep. that happening, especially on on boards that favor yep. Marcus too. Right. We we talked about that a little bit in the discussion, but not not in the episode, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when when Marcus has a board that's going to favor him, it's really going to favor him. So seeing those swingy games is not super surprising. So no huge pattern outside of. Um, explorers being, yeah, e- explorers can. Ex- let's. I wonder if we. 
Oh, here, let's do it. So we're going to set this tab to break the line, and then we're going to go to Master Sort, and look at the top. And Explorers does not have the best win rate of any faction in Break the Line. Uh, unsurprisingly, that goes to Rezzers and Outcasts. <laughs> but but Explorers certainly with a with a nice high win rate. Fifty five percent is Explorers' win rate in Break the Line. Oh, poor uh, Guild. Guild oh, sitting there with a thirty six percent win rate in Break the Line. Neverborn third. Lowest, not the lowest. So, oh. <laughs> uh, so in 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 order, bottom to top, uh, on break the line. Guild thirty six percent. Bayou forty percent. Neverborn forty one percent. Arcanists fifty four percent. Explorers fifty five. Or no, I'm sorry, I missed Ten Thunders in there. Ten Thunders was down um, at forty eight percent. Explorers the fifty five. Outcasts with 59, and then Rezzers with 65% win rate on Break the Line. I but wonder the, how much of that was the swarms doing the work for Arcanists. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, mean, but, I never take well, but, them, it, but, but it was Marcus, again, a lot of the wins. So. Yeah, fair. Or a lot of the big blowout wins, at least. You know, the, the, the main thing that surprised me in this section was just that in a vacuum, if you're on corrupted ley lines and you only score three points, that's an overall losing record. Uh, I, I, especially with the way the other three strats behaved, I, I assumed that that would be true of corrupted ley lines as well. But no, three points on corrupted ley lines is usually not enough. So um, what you're saying is if you score three on ley lines and two, and one on research. You probably have lost the game with four points. <laughs> yes, yes, I. That is that is the exact thing that I'm saying, and and now I'm curious if that has ever happened. <laughs> I mean, you can look it up. Like, yes, I, I. I pointed out earlier. Well, we all kind of agreed on it earlier, and that the first point is kind of a gimme. So we're more looking at if you score, if you're scoring two points mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. CLL, then you're well, behind, which makes a lot more sense. Well, for the record, three points on Corrupted Ley Lines and one point on Research Mission has happened eight times, and all eight have been losses. <laughs> hey! So, there That's we go. That's extrapolation. <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. here, now this is this will be an easy thing for you to look up. Has anyone lost a game with, or has anyone, has any game had Corrupted Ley Lines and scored zero points? Um, that's, a, that's a rough game. If that, oh, yeah. if you manage to score zero points on corrupted ley lines, that is spectacular. Looks like it's happened one time. Oh my god! How? Did, uh, how? That was a zip one into Ivan one. The final score of six one for Ivan. All zip one did was one point on detonate charges. Whoa. Zero points on the strat and zero points on breakthrough. It's not even like a an easy. St- game to pick. Well, I guess I don't know how easy and it is. It's not hard for Zip. Okay. And but compared to Breakthrough? Yeah, and compared to one point on the strategy? Right, one point on Corrupted yeah. Ley Lines? <laughs> in one of the fastest crews in the game? Like, Yeah. I, I, okay, I, like, my guess, and please contact us if you're this poor, poor person. <laughs> we're not gonna make fun of you, but we're kind of amazed. The only way I can see this happening is that they're confident they're going to score the four points 
in rounds two through five, so they didn't bother bother getting their carrier into position turn one and went ahead with whatever strategy they had, and it backfired horribly. Yeah. Yeah, the other option is probably uh, I'm trying to think what in Explorer Society could, like, force someone off a marker. Oh, yeah, what was the uh, deployment? Do you have that? Yeah. Uh, it was flank. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's close. You can scoot someone up far enough to pull them off. Interesting. Yeah. So, yes, there you go. In uh, 146 sides in Corrupted Ley Lines, zero points has happened once. Whoever that one person is, I hope you're listening. (laughs) We love you. Please... Uh, come on the show. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm personally inviting you on the show because I want to know this. We'd love to know what how it happened. <laughs> Just basically an, an entire episode around that game. <laughs> uh, okay, Master- music in the background as well. <laughs> Masters, which haven't seen any play at all this year. Yeah, There's a lot and, of them. And oh. and this list, uh, I did look up that game and thing, and it seems it was cut short due to time. So that does affect that slightly. Oh, okay. It, it affects it slightly, but we you'd still think the first point would be a gimme. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> get through the first round. One, one point is one point, and Ivan got six, so there was time to do that. <laughs> anyway. Right. So yeah, yeah. Ma- Masters that haven't seen any play this year, and I included on this list Masters that have only seen one game. Uh... But we are so the masters that have seen zero play, and there there are no keywords that have seen zero play. Every keyword has seen something. But uh, masters that have seen zero play: Brewmaster one, Hamlin one, Ivan two. Uh, Ivan two is the only title on this whole list, by the way. Karai one, Lucius one in Guild, Lynch one, McMorning one, Perdita one. Somer one and Yoko one are the only masters that have seen zero play at all. Of of note, Lucius one, who, which has seen zero play in Guild, has seen five games in Neverborn. So okay, Lucius one is still being played. But if we if we switch to masters that have only seen one game in all of this, Hoffman one in Guild. Has only seen one game. Uh, Hoff Hoff one in Ark has only seen two games, so not a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCabe one in Explorers has only seen one game. Uh, McCabe one in Ten Thunders has seen three. Mayfang one has only seen one in Ten Thunders. That was me. In Arcanist, she's seen four. Mayfang two in Ten Thunders has only seen one. In Arcanist, she's seen fourteen. Uh, Molly two has only seen one game. Uh, Nelly one has only seen one game. Ophelia one has only seen one game. Riva one has only seen one game. That was a mirror match with Riva two. Sandeep one has only seen one game. Tony two has only seen one game. Vix one has seen one. What? Wong two <laughs> has seen one. Yanlo one in Ten Thunders has seen one. Uh, Yanlo one in Rezzers has seen two. And then Zip two in Bayou has only seen one. Zip2 and Outcasts has seen five. So th- those are our masters that really have 
not seen much play there. And and again, the 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 one real standout that I want to highlight again, uh, Ivan Two being the only title in all of the game right now with zero games for the entirety of the Malifaux World Series. Yeah, that one surprises me. I think the only one that surprises <clears throat> me is that Ophelia One has only seen one game. Because she is not a weak master by any stretch. Doug, how do you feel about Tony 2 only having one game? I'm very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Although, looking at it, Tony, in in her entirety, has only seen four games. Right. So that's that mm-hmm. explains it a little bit more. But I was of the opinion Tony 2 is considerably more powerful than Tony 1 right now, so... That's true, but she still has to stack up against Hoffman 2 and May 2 and Karis, who I guess isn't doing very well, but normally would be, I think. <laughs> like, we we have a lot of, you know, a pretty deep bench on other things to pick. Fair. Yeah, but wonder- Tony 1 has still seen more play than her. That's, that's the surprising part to me, that more people yeah. are playing OG Tony. I It would take way too long to figure this out, but I am curious if the existence of the boxes being out at purchasable has anything to do with uh, the amount that they're being taken. In a purely digital league, that seems... It seems like it shouldn't, If a lot of people don't like playing with proxies, and if you have real-life experience with a master, you're more likely to bring that master in the digital space as well. Sure. My my feeling on it, Tony 2 had the same feeling that Parker 2 has with um, scheme markers, and I feel like it's a GG thing. I don't uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but the, the gaining ground seems more focused on killing uh, when it's a balanced pool, the strategies you know, for killing, as opposed to where uh, the previous... Versions where there are a lot more scheme marker uh, games. No, I, I feel like GG1 was more murder focused than GG2. People just really, really want to kill, so it's still kind of a popular thing to do. Yeah. Hmm. I also don't think Tony2 is all that focused on scheme markers other than just using them for judges. No, it's, like she has a lot more generation of scheme markers, though. That's true. Um, yeah. if, if, the, if the gaining grounds was very scheme marker dependent, like. Um, Every strategy was goddamn um, runic binding. I think she'd see a lot more play. Yeah, <laughs> Tony One could do runic binding relatively easy. Yeah, yeah, just spam out the arachnids like I did that one or, game. Well, you just bring a uh, you just bring a miner and a steam fitter, and then Tony with three AP yoinks three models into a tight little ball. Bing, bang, boom! You got yourself a score. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But, also, okay. also okay. you just have the uh, writer who can just place scheme markers mm-hmm. anywhere. The one reliable thing that they can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, mm. I'm mildly upset about the mechanical writers. All of all of their triggers being sort of cancelable or like useless by your opponent, made useless by your opponent, but the fact that they can just throw a scheme marker six inches still makes them quite useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, looking at this list real quick, I think if you are a snowflake like me and wants to play like the least played masters in the game, I think we're looking at Nelly in mm-hmm. Guild. I think McMorning, yeah, McMorning in Rezzers. Mm-hmm. Sandeep and Tony in Arcanist. They're like three games in, four games, respectively. 
Neverborn was I think that was Yuri. Yeah, that was Yuri. Uh, pr- pretty it's much like, everything in Neverborn is is played to some extent. Uh, yeah. Like like I said last time, they have the broadest play of of any faction, which is a little bit you know as one of the most played factions, you're just going to have more people. Yeah. Uh, Outcast is Hamelin. Bayou is Summer. I think. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Summer. Jesus. I would never expect Summer to be the least played master. And Ten Thunders, Yoko, <laughs> Explorers, uh, Cooper, I think, even though he's not on here. Which would kind of make sense. I think everyone had a, the idea that Cooper was a beginner-friendly, but didn't have enough tactical depth to mm-hmm. make it really, really far in metaplay. I've got one player who swears by Cooper, but yeah, he's, he's very easily counterable, I think. Yeah, I would like to see him play well. That'd be fun. That'd be fun watch. I know at the, like, back when Explorers first came out, some people I talked to were saying that they thought Cooper was one of the better masters. Like, below the top three for Explorers, but still in, like, that second tier of masters. Yeah, well, like, when third edition came out, we, <laughs> as in this podcast, even thought Lynch was too good. We See were that hella out. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just foresaw Lynch, too. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, that boy is <laughs> scary. Um any any anything else? Any other big surprises? I think some of the disparities are interesting. Like Ivan two with no games, Ivan one with thirteen. I uh, think that's pretty like when you look at Ivan Two's card and see and especially the upgrades and see just like, oh, this doesn't actually work that way. Mm-hmm. Like with summoning the Davos. Oh, they can't attack because it's not an activation. Or, there, oh, there's... I can't obey you to charge because it's not an activation. Right. But there's there's a, an amount of these that are, this master is just unpopular, like Sandy Bentoni. Yeah. Or this, this original version is so massively overshadowed by its title that no one's playing it. Like Yen Lo and Karai... And Lynch. Lynch. And, and that's a good segue to the next section, I think. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the next section... Um, so the, the, the two last sections that I've kind of got uh, are, are are drilling down specifically into to two groups. Uh, one are Rezzer's titles, and the other are uh, Guild Originals. And... Rezzer's titles stand out in multiple ludicrous ways <laughs> that, that you just don't see in in other uh, and and again this this data is there's been a, a there's been a couple games played on Rezzer's titles since then but but I will say this if we if we just if we're just looking at Rezzer's titles and and nothing else uh, Rezzer's titles are thirty seven wins 17 losses and 10 ties that is a 68 and a half percent win rate by just putting a reser master on the board that has a two after their name <laughs> uh, if if we pull karai two out of that so we take the seven resers masters who are uh, seven resers titles who are not karai two uh, it jumps to a 73% win rate with 30, 30 <laughs> wins, 11 losses, and 7 draws. So Karai 2 is dragging them down? 
Karai 2 still has a winning record, but it is not a winning enough record (laughs) um, to to end up tipping everything else. What happens Um, if you pull out Yanmo 2 from that? uh, (laughs) I, I, I would have to look more to find that. Let's see. The Rezzers titles. Let me find each one's. But still, the the point stands that it's almost a 75% win rate, which is absolutely Uh, asinine, is the only way to describe that. Yanlo 2 has a straight two-thirds win rate. Yanlo has 14 wins, 7 losses, and 2 ties. So he is almost half of the wins minus Karai. Yes. So, so again, Karai. I, I don't want to. I don't want to downplay Karai too. Karai two is seven wins, six losses, three ties. That's Still a winning. that is a respectable <laughs> winning record. The only reser. Oh, um, I, we talked about this last time. Riva two now does have one loss. Oh, um, streak is broken. The the only reser title with a losing record um, is McMorning two. Who has one win in five games? They are they are one, two, and two. But Rezzer's titles, and to to if we take all all of everything in the game, including Rezzer's titles. I mean, this is pulling up the average, but the average point that anybody ever scores is four point seven four, and Rezzer's titles are scoring five point three three, and and similarly since. The math has to work out like this. Obviously, 4.74 is the average number of points somebody allows. And Rezzer's titles are allowing 4.16. Again, just by putting a Rezzer title on the board, you're on average winning by 1.2 points. Um, and, and there's not one point you can really look at that this is why they're winning. Like, they have a higher strat offense. They have a lower strat defense. They have a higher scheme offense. They have a lower scheme defense. Um, on average, by the way, uh, Rezzer's titles are holding their opponent to 1.9 scheme points per game. Um, and, and again, I, I don't want to say, that, and, and so, you know, we talk about, we talked several times now about Rezzer's being at the top of almost every win rate that you can figure out. And if you just look at Rezzer's original masters, Still a winning record, but Rezzer's originals are nine wins, eight losses, and two draws. So that's winning, but that's pretty it's middle of the winning. road. It's barely winning. Uh, and so have, so seeing that that's what the originals are, and then going, oh, so every time we're looking at them as a faction, their originals are pulling them to the average, and yet their titles alone are enough to make them arguably the most competitive on paper faction in the game right now uh it is it is the titles any time that anybody says something about rezzers just it, it is the titles that are making this faction do the things that it is doing um if if a rezzers title last last stat here and then i will um pass it over to the <laughs> to the round table but if a if a rezzers title is facing off against any original master. That is, the Rezzers titles have 17 wins and 5 losses. So we we can even go above... So again, you know, pull, 
pulling out Karai 2, all other Rezzer's titles, 73% win rate. All Rezzer's titles, including Karai 2, against any title with a, any master with a 1 after the name, 77% win rate. And so Rezzer's titles sure are a thing right now. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy fuck. I mean, now's a good time to remember people that remind people that, you know, law of small numbers, it's a limited data set. This mm-hmm. does not definitively prove that resins are busted. No, not not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Rezzers is not the most played faction. Uh, uh, what is it? Rezzers is one of the lower number of play, only 83 games. You know, compare that to Arcanists with 104. Absolutely. I, I am in no way attempting to say that Green is broken, kick Green out of the game. Uh, but certainly, I am in- saying that though. Green's oh, fucking okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not saying note. that. I, I won't stop anyone else from saying that though. <laughs> and then also something that just in like the stats channel on the VWS Discord uh, that we were talking about was that almost a fifth of Rezo's games have been against Neverborn. So that is definitely helping boost their stats a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's always tough there because if when we're seeing a Rezzers versus a Neverborn game, is that Rezzers doing very well? Is that Neverborn doing very badly? Like Or is it that Rezzers has anti Neverborn tech? You know, do Or they... is it that Rezzers has anti Neverborn tech? Well, every faction has anti Neverborn tech if sure. we look at I feel like any faction has a faction that they like playing against less. You know, uh, Rezzers probably don't like playing against whoever has the most ruthless in the game, that kind of thing. You know, is there something Neverborn versus Rezzer that, that swings one way beyond how good the, the keywords are? Yeah. What were you saying, Mike? <coughs> uh, trying to remember now. Is there anyone doing particularly well against Rezzers? Anyone Rezzers is having trouble beating? I yes, think please. Guild was the only one with a positive record against Neverborn. Because uh, yeah, I was thinking, fluff-wise, who do you bring out to stop Rezzers? Lady <laughs> J... Oh. I was saying, is it Lady J2? <laughs> just everything's undead? Kill it with fire? So there are there are two factions with win rates against Rezzers. And, and one is, as you suggested, if a faction's got a lot of Ruthless... Ten Thunders has that. Again, we're getting into very small numbers. There's only been seven games of Ten Thunders versus Rezzers, and Ten Thunders has won three of them, lost two of them, and then they've tied two of them. And then Guild has played Rezzers ten times, Guild has won six of the ten, and Guild has lost four of the ten. And there have been no ties. Who's got the worst record? Is that uh, Neverborn? Who's second? That, that is Neverborn. Neverborn into Rezzers. Neverborn has four wins, 12 losses, and three ties. Uh, so that is a 25% win rate for Neverborn. Arcanists close behind. Uh, Arcanists has played Rezzers 13 times. Arcanists has come away with a win three times, eight losses, and then Jeez. two ties. And then if you bring Resurrectionists against Rezzers, guaranteed that one of them will lose. That's true. (laughs) The numbers do bear that out. 
It could happen. I don't think it could, it could happen. <laughs> Uh, I guess just no, does... no, no rezzer has tied another rezzer yeah. this year. Mm. Also, <laughs> interestingly, like the factions that are all doing the best are all doing the worst against rezzers, with Outcast and Explore Society having like the bottom half yeah. of when uh, in them. Outcasts into Nevers, uh, into, Outcasts into rezzers. Uh, has happened 11 times. Outcast has won three times, lost six, and tied two. So certainly when, when we look at Outcast and Rezzers at the very top of that win rate chart and then see that when they play each other, Rezzers comes out ahead, definitely does spin it a little more that, yeah, I mean, obviously Rezzers has played Neverborn a lot, but I, I don't think we can put it entirely on Neverborn being bad there given that, um, you know, Rezzers is holding that big win rate against Outcast. And again, when we're talking about this, every number that I just gave here is faction-wide. Um, if I... Let's see. If we switch it to just Rezzer's titles, um, the only faction <laughs> in the game with a winning record against Rezzer's titles is Rezzer's. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> ow. That, ow. Ow. Okay, so you know if your opponent declares rezzers, you just need to declare rezzers. Yeah, yeah there you that, go. That's your that's your best shot of, of beating a rezzers title is res yeah. No other faction in the game breaks fifty percent against rezzers titles. Uh Neverborn, not the worst there. It is actually Explorers the worst against Rezzers titles. Twelve games, only two wins, uh seven losses and three ties for the Explorers there. Yeah, Where's my nerf bat? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like uh, Bayou and Thunders have a 50-50, so they're a tying rate, right? Against Rezzer titles. <clears throat> yes, uh, but please note that Bayou has only played three games against Rezzer's titles, and Ten Thunders okay. has only played five games against so, Rezzer's titles. Barely even enough to really conclude anything. Yeah. Yep. Ow. Well, in, in, you know, if you write your letters to Jonathan Weird and ask him nicely. Maybe we'll get a mid-year errata. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't clamor for a mid-year errata until we get honestly more like closer to six months worth of data, and it's still panning out to that. It, yeah, lost small numbers is going to change things and make them be less concrete. But I feel like once you get up to into the seventies. It's something worth looking at. So I guess we can ask the question, is Rezzers, especially Rezzer titles, a problem? And another thing to look at is that while the Vassal League is a decent amount of players, it still is at this point a fairly kind of set meta with like people playing what. There isn't a whole lot of people jumping around between factions, especially mm-hmm. the top tier players. They're generally sticking with their one or two factions, so they're going to be inflating those factions that they play more than other factions. Yeah, and and we had the whole discussion last time about Marcus Two plays differently on certain maps, and Vassal maps just tend to have more terrain because it's easier to plot more terrain down on a digital surface. So so no, there there should always be caveats with this data, uh, but I think there's still some. Uh, any way you look at it, Rezzer's titles stand out. 
yeah, from, can, from any other group. You can look for patterns, but you can't draw conclusions solely from this. Yes. But there is a very strong pattern appearing <laughs> for the green team. <laughs> yeah, so something worth looking at. I would love to come back at, you know, like June, July, August, and revisit as long as we're still tracking these numbers. Do a little yep. update. Yeah. I I plan on I plan on continuing to look at this for the, the full year and uh <clears throat> so we we are just finishing this this Sunday will be the last round of the the light keyword lock. So you can only take fifteen stones worth of versatiles and out of keyword. Um, that ends this Sunday, and then the next event is going to be a, a six-round event, and it'll be the first time that Dual Masters will be allowed. Ooh, um, that would be real interesting. So, so that, that that will be fascinating. Of course, I'll have to add a whole other column for Second Master. Oh, yeah. So it'll completely ruin the aesthetics of my sheet, which is probably <laughs> well, not fine. the most important thing, but very I, interesting data. I, I'm excited to see people going on to a weird place or the Discord and complaining about Master, master Plus Master X is broken. And then we can write it down and we can check Reed's numbers. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, we can check Reed's numbers again and see if it isn't actually an issue or if it's just a case of new scary. Uh, we can get your um actually glasses on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to prove people wrong. <laughs> I mean, I could so be wrong. And there could definitely there there are almost definitely master pairs out there that are too strong that oh, haven't sure. shown up just because so many people don't play dual yeah. masters. That's what errata's for, though. That's why yeah. it exists. That's why, that's why we need to run it so we can just errata it, and then everyone can be happy with the way the game is supposed to be played, according to weird. Yeah, what do they know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, we had we had another thing. We're going to talk about guild. Yay! The opposite we, end of the spectrum. We are going to talk about guild, uh, and and we're going to talk about guild specifically guild OGs. Half and of them haven't been played, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> guild guild OGs. They're, they're they're an interesting. So I mean, there's not a lot of play on guild OGs. Period. Guild more than almost any other faction, jumped to the titles enthusiastically. And and that obviously is going to color this data a little bit. You know, does that say that the people who stuck with Guild OGs were the people who still felt the most confident with them? And and what we're seeing might be a better showing than what most Guild OGs are used to. Uh, but there's there's one number, as, as I was kind of looking through these, that, that really jumped out to me. Uh, and that is the guild OG master's ability to score scheme points. Because good lord, they can't. <laughs> they um, just can't. <laughs> they just they just can't. Period. Full stop. Uh, as, as as a slight, you know, to to kind of again set set the baseline when when we're talking about how much can a a uh, a faction score in in a scheme. Almost all of the factions, the factions taken as a whole, almost all of them are between 2.1 points and 2.2 points. Uh, there are some exceptions. The exceptions are the ones we've talked about. Uh, Neverborn is low. Outcasts and Rezzers are high. But 
Aside from those three, all five other factions, the average scheme points they score are between 2.1 and 2.2. Guild OGs score 1.74. It's... And when I said Neverborn was low, Neverborn as a faction scores 1.93 scheme points. Guild OGs are so unable to score schemes, uh, and and I can't find one scheme that they seem that like is bringing them down. They they seem to just be pretty bad across the board. It's and and they would be doing. They would be doing a great deal worse if it were not for uh, Dashel One, who who definitely has the most games of of any of the of the twenty five guild OG games that have been played. Twelve of them are Dashel. Like Dashel One is the guild OG who is being played, and so he is still able to score a bit. What's the average without Dashel? And, and I mean, I want to say, like, not that Dashel is great at scoring the schemes. Dashel scores two point oh eight. That's average. But I, that's yeah, normal. But that's, yeah, that, that is normal. But the fact that that is normal, and every uh, and the guild OG as a whole still is that far down. Um, so I, I would have to go back and and it, it's trickier to pull out masters. Okay, but it the um. Let's see, 25 games, average of 1.74 across those 25 games. 12 of those uh, should be disregarded where the average is 2.08. I can't do this in my head, but someone will, and they'll <laughs> post uh, the answer in like the comments, I'm sure. Phenomenal. So yeah, um, then we'll get this answer at some point. <laughs> but I mean, that, that should, if, if 12 games at 2.08 is pulling it up, then you assume the, the average has to be in the 1.5 area. Yeah. <laughs> And and guild titles are doing fine. Uh, guild titles, on average, on their schemes are scoring two point two three points, so they're above average. Also, it looks like since last week when you made that, they've gone up a whole point uh, one nine. They they have, and, <laughs> and I can almost guarantee there, there's a there's a player who is soloing Dashel in in this event and who is is doing relatively well. And so I, I can almost guarantee that that increase is due to Dashel, partly because no other guild OGs just get played. Like it, it is a group that has just largely been abandoned. Oh, um, uh, sorry, I had a thought. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a noise. I thought I um, know this thought now. So you, you've been at least for part of this, you've been playing on a limit to versatiles and out of keyword picks. And I feel like Guild heavily relies on those for scoring schemes. And since they're limited on it to 15 stones, you're also limiting their ability to score, and titles may just be coasting off of the fact that titles generally just are more powerful. And so while their scheming isn't necessarily better, they're just just winning in general. Could be. Could be, could well, be. The title scheming is better, though, like measurably. Yes. Yeah, but there, there's something to be said about if you're just overall winning the game, scheming True. is easier. Yeah. It looks like only nine of the OG games have been this event, which, considering there's only been three events, that is actually surprising that most of them have been uh, uh, 
plurality of them have been in this event. To uh, to kind of bounce off a question that just got said, if we take every just original master in the game, their average scheme score is 2.13. Every title master in their game, the average scheme is 2.24. So, yes, titles do score noticeably better in, in both scheme and strat. Uh, originals on the strat are 2.47. And titles on the strat are 2.58. So titles do score higher on on both strat and scheme pretty universally. But guild, guild OGs did deserve a call out for just having a, a massively underpowered scheming ability. And, and again, with Dashel 1 being the only one who is pulling that up. Outside of Dashel One, Guild OGs might be in the worst state of you know if you break the factions down into originals and titles. Uh, so of those sixteen groups, Guild OGs might be in the worst state of of any of them. I mean, I think everyone can probably agree with that because that was the, generally the consensus before we got Malifaux Burns is that Guild was kind of lagging behind. One thing that I think is interesting, so looking at these numbers, the OGs versus titles, yeah, the, the OGs score very measurably less schemes. They actually, if I'm reading this right, score better on the strat than their titles. Not by much, you know, arguably a rounding error, but they're as good or better than the titles of the strategy, but they're so much worse at the scheming. Yes, yes. Guild OGs, you are reading that correctly. Guild OGs score 2.42 on the strat, and guild titles score 2.38 on the strat. So yeah, I mean, if we, if we were to round that to just one decimal place, it would be the same. But, but I think it certainly says that the, because we're seeing guild titles be both played and get wins, that, that the, the weakness for those guild OGs is in their scheming. Again, surprising absolutely no one, I think. But again, it's good to see data back up what, as a hive mind, we think. Yes, uh, it, it is. It is nice to occasionally get uh, confirmation of what you expected, and then the uh, the what other schemes are OG guild taking. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. The uh, the the last little note that I have here is of the. Uh, and, and, I, and I thought this was interesting, that of the 25 games that Guild OGs have, uh, only two times have they actually scored four points. And for all the talk of Dashel 1 being the only one upholding OGs, uh, the two times that a Guild OG Master has scored four points, uh, Hoffman 1 and Sonya 1 are the two times that hmm. they've managed it. The Sonya 1's uh, interesting. Hoffman, I mean, he's he's good. But it was Hoffman into Lady J2. Oh. <laughs> what? <So. laughs> <No>, what? <laughs> Sorry, Rita. Just <laughs> let's 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 go back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hoffman won with an eight-three win over Lady J2. Uh, Hoff one scored two points on research mission and assassinate. Lee J scored one point on research mission, zero points on assassinate. The strat was turf war. All right. 
Can is <laughs> can Lady J two reliably assassinate Hoffman one? I feel like that's a bit of a gamble, but I'm not as familiar with Lady J two. Uh, the idea would probably be to kidnap, but yeah, I don't. But Hoffman is remarkably difficult to kill, especially Hoffman one. I think less so if you can bury anyone that would protect him and then you just pull him because now sure. when he gets placed again he'll take damage and then he gets placed further away and then he takes no he only takes the one damage but yeah like it doesn't seem like a matchup that you would look at and go Hoffman 1 is going to win this for sure no, no. <laughs> especially not 8-3 right that's a decisive win that's not a, a yeah. 5-4 or something you know I, uh... And, and I mean, it, it certainly could have been that if if Lady J two flew in and and tried to do something fancy, and then Black Jokered the wrong thing and got right. stuck, and Hoffman one just then got the assassinate on like turn two or no, I mean it couldn't have been turn two because they scored both points on assassinate. But if, if it was a very early Lady Justice kill, then mm-hmm. maybe things just spiraled very badly. Yep. The, the question about what can, what schemes is Guild 1, uh, Guild OG titles doing? Their, their favorite by far is Vendetta. Every single time Vendetta is in the pool, they have taken it. That being said, of the six times they've taken it, they've only scored a total of five points. So, they love, love, love to take it, but they cannot <laughs> score it. I was wondering if uh, Research Mission could be screwing with any of the numbers. Because it's such a small number of games for OGs. And and so Research Mission has only been taken once, and it was that Hoffman game that we were just looking at. And and Hoffman scored two points. But because it's only been taken once, uh, it's probably not influencing things too much here. Another question. Yeah, but against, against, the, uh, against the titles, I meant, because it's just a small number of games for the OGs. If it hasn't been taken very often, the OG, the titles taking research mission, is that bringing their average up? I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. I'm not sure I do either. <laughs> since, I think what he's saying is that since the OGs are being, since the titles are being taken more, they have more opportunities to take research mission and therefore are gaining the benefit of research mission just, just generally giving you more points. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that would be possible. Well, I mean, research mission was available ten times, and they only took it once. So, so it's default. Okay, but, but I mean, if but if we look at if we switch over to guild titles, uh, for guild titles, they have taken research mission twenty one times. So, uh, the guild titles have twenty eight points on research mission, and originals have two. So, yeah, the the fact you know that's uh, you know not translating into wins, but still translating into scheme points, which is what we're looking at here. Yeah, that definitely could be a factor here. Absolutely. Although it is translating into wins for OG, because the one time they took it, they won. <laughs> that is true. Very good point. <laughs> that is technically 100%, true. One hundred percent of the time, it works. That's how time. math works. <laughs> what was what was, again? I like I'm the only person. I'm not the only person in this, but what was the deployment of that Justice 2 Hoffman 1 game? Because I feel like that might also say something. Oh, uh, that was flank deployment. Okay. Yes, that was flank yeah, deployment. Okay. The, yeah, flank kidnapping is going to be less successful because even though they're slow, the robots are going to get into the Justice crew relatively quick. I think people underestimate how fast Hoffman's crew actually can be. 
Yeah. yeah. You, you got to build for it. I but am, yeah, it can be spitty. Yeah. So the, the, the one scheme that is treating guild OGs well is assassinate. They take it 50% of the time that it's in the pool. So of the 12 times it's been available, they've taken it six and they've scored 10 points those six times that okay. they have taken it. So th- that is the one scheme that guild OGs are, are doing well on. But uh, th- those, those are sort of the, the two groups that I wanted to set out were the, the Rezzers titles and the guild OGs. Diametrically yeah. opposed. And it's, it's, it's weird because like, obviously there is crossover in a faction. Like you've still got, you're out of character, you're out of keyword models and your versatiles that you can take. But it is, it has been interesting seeing some of these instances of, of one of those groups just really standing out even in its own faction compared to the other one. And and these are the two instances that you really see that. I am surprised it's not more points for Vendetta. Like, at least even breaking up, breaking even. Because I feel like Guild has one of the best models for Vendetta in the Offstringer. Because 14-inch, I don't have to see you, I can hit you twice or go for a positive damage flip. And just as a as a point of comparison, so guild OGs are scoring zero point eight three on Vendetta on average. Uh, Malifo as a whole scores one point oh eight on Vendetta on average. That's, that's reasonable. It's like I keep forgetting this. We're talking about singular schemes, so two is the max. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's t- oh, well, right now two points, two points. I'd like to shout out Outflank for breaking even at. Being taken 30 times and mm-hmm. being sword 30 times. Perfectly balanced. Yay! Obviously, Weird <laughs> doesn't need to change outflank in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> well, until you look oh, at yeah. it, it was taken 9% yeah. of the time. No, I, I think we, <laughs> we, we had that talk uh, last time. Yeah, we yeah, hammered that the, home pretty the well. It's picked for everybody except Outcasts, uh, and Outcast picks Deathbeds less. But yeah, every other faction, Outflank is the least picked. Now, something needs to change without flank if Weird wants people to take it as a scheme. Well, because the, the next one is bait and switch, and it's more mm-hmm. than double the percentage take. And even then, 20% is not something to aim for, I don't think. So what you're saying is outflank, to fix it, we just need to make it the strategy markers count. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what we're saying, but maybe it is. <laughs> it, I would... I do want to see how bait and switch would perform in a GG that doesn't also have breakthrough. Okay. Because if both of those are in the pool, it makes bait and switch just so much less likely to actually get Mm -hmm. that second point. It's it's much riskier to take, for sure. Yeah, because your opponent could have someone going into your backfield, into your deployment zone, to score it, and... In most cases, that's going to be at least a seven-star model just so they can get that durability and mobility. So it's, it. it's obviously not quite the same, but we can look at bait and switch and how it performs on symbols, since again, that's probably something where people are close to your backfield. So bait and switch mm-hmm. as a whole, taken twenty percent of the time uh, and scoring on average zero point nine three. If we look at just bait and switch on symbols, and this is again, we are in law of small, small numbers because this has only been one round with bait and switch in a pool with symbols. 
So uh, 16 games, it was taken four times, so 25%, which is technically more, and scoring one point on average, which is, again, technically more, but that's only, that's, that's a small number. Uh, seeing bait and switch perform about in line on symbols in comparison to it as a whole, it is, is interesting to see. Yeah, is it any different with Break the Line? Yeah, because Break the Line is another one where you go deep. Let's see. Uh, break the Line, it is score, it is taken less. We've got more games here. It's been on Break the Line, it's been taken. Available 184, taken 33, so it's only taken 17% of the time. Uh, and it's only scoring 0.88. What were those four matchups where Break the Line was taken with symbols? Nathan's just digging in. Yeah, it's gonna be one of those it's gonna be one of those matches where like who would Uh, do that? Taking bait and switch on symbols. Uh Colette 2 did it against Misaki 1. Maxine 2 did it into Zip 1 in Outcasts. Uh Dashel 1 did it into Titania 1, and Hamlin 2 did it into Ulix 1. Yeah, those all seem like except for against Zip, those seem like matchups where you could probably get away with it because none of those are really like dive deep. Uh, Ulix could with the war pigs, but the rest of the pigs he can grow are all below that seven point cutoff. I don't know. I feel like Masaki and Zip can get stuff into your backfield pretty effectively. Yeah, Zip if they is want the to. weird one. Masaki can do it herself, but not really the rest of her crew. Kage or seven, but Tolokage are kind of in a weird place where they just aren't taken too much. Like, they're fine models, they just don't really get hired. Three of those were flank deployment, and one of those was corner, by the way. The, uh, the Hamlin... Oh yeah, bait and switch on corner. (laughs) into Ulix was the one corner. The other three were flank. We were talking about gelds. Oh, oh, <laughs> I mean, do we have any other tangents ago? Yeah, do we have any other thoughts on that? My my curiosity, and this might be obvious, is what is what's the real reason that the difference on the schemes is so wide? Like we're looking at titles versus OGs, but that's technically fifteen stones out of. 65 that's a different model so are the are the titles just in general like option one killing better and therefore making it easier to score your schemes option two facilitating the rest of the crew being able to score those schemes better or option three just scoring them themselves better what are the team take breakdown for titles because that would probably help inform for for guild titles yeah for what schemes they're taking to see where they're scoring. Uh, Guild 2 is also really likes Assassinate, scoring 1.25 on average on Assassinate and taking it 46% of the time. Scoring Breakthrough pretty well, but not taking it often. Scoring Claim Jump quite well, uh, 1.38 points on average for Guild title, for Guild titles on Claim Jump. Uh, that's in comparison to only uh, a half a point on average for guild OGs on claim jump. 
Um, and again, you know, you're not scoring claim jump with your master. So presumably mm-hmm. something in guild titles is, is working there in a much different way. And then as we talked about a little bit earlier, guild titles having a much better research mission score. Uh, and that can certainly be facilitated by the master if we look at Hoffman 2 or uh, Lady Justice 2, both masters able to make markers very easily. Sonya 2. So yeah, it looks like aside from Breakthrough, they're not really taking the scheme marker schemes. They're just going for the kill or be in a spot, which the title masters can definitely help facilitate. Okay. Cool. That's I guess that's it for all the topics Reed wanted to cover. We'll quickly check and see if there was any questions on the AWP post from last time. Reed, were you able to look into my question at all? It was looking at masters that like Marcus II, for example. He he wins in a narrow set of circumstances, whether that's the board or the pool. But when he's taken, he does well. You know, masters that win a lot in a small mm-hmm. section of time, or get, or that are more kind of generalist, where they don't win all their games, but they show up in everything. Uh, I I have not because I keep trying to. Th- I I have not been able to figure out a a good method for like because that then we get into some really small numbers if if we're right. we're not just looking at how like performance in certain maps because Marcus two is certainly taken enough for us to judge that but there are a lot of other masters that might only have been taken four or five times and so if they've been taken you know two times in one and then one time in three others right there's probably a way to do it but we're just going to need more data in order to actually be effective at at making a call on that. Well, and I, and I meant more, more pools than boards because boards are very hard to, in this kind of format, sure. analyze, but you know, it does master X only show up and break the line, but man, they dominate and break the line versus all four strategies. And maybe they're only winning half the time, but they're, they have a broader, Wheelhouse yeah, it, it would be a really interesting thing to pick through. Uh, I, I have not put in the legwork on that one specifically yet. Uh, okay. I, I know I've, I've I've accidentally stumbled on on a couple things. You know, this this last round uh, in the most recent event was turf war. What did we just get done playing? What have we just got done? Yeah, round three was turf uh, war. So, uh, Bayou. It is is notably terrible in turf war, uh, and so I, I've I've caught a couple weird things in some factions, uh, but I have not drilled down into individual masters to give a okay. to give a specific on that. So Bayou, just in general, in turf war, twenty one games, only eight wins on the year, compared to let's see. Corrupted ley lines, they're they're dead even. Eighteen games, nine wins. Uh, symbols, Bayou does quite well. Sixteen games, nine wins, only five losses. Break the line, Bayou is also struggling in. Uh, Thirty-one games, twelve wins. But but I've I've caught some of those 
pieces that the faction has strengths or weaknesses, but but that's a lot different because, as you said, with the masters, that's your choice in bringing that into a specific strat. Uh, so it, it would be a very interesting question to to dive in on, but I, I have not done that yet, no. Fair enough. I figured that was going to be a trickier one to dig into. It, it would it would take a little extra math to figure out, to, to, to put values on a win per number of times taken in that category as a percentage of the times that the master's been taken overall. Uh, there, there's definitely a way to do it, but, and, and that certainly could be, like I said, I, I have every intention of continuing to gather this data over the course of the year. And if, if at some point later on down the line, uh, you want to have me back to answer some more, uh, questions more thoroughly and a little <laughs> more definitively than, yeah, it looks like this. Uh, I, I, I would be happy to do that, but for, for right now, this is, some of those things I think we will be able to answer at the end of the year. Of course, by then we might also have a new gaining grounds and, and some of that analysis won't matter. Well, and theoretically we'll get new models at Gen Con if tradition holds and that can throw all kinds yeah. of mm-hmm. wrenches and everything. Yeah. The dabbers. I was wondering if there is a G- GG3, are you planning on keeping it all in the same sheet or? A separate sheet because it's, it's such a it's massive such a meta meta shift. shift that I, I, I would think I would have to change it up. There, there's probably some of the numbers that I'll, that I'll keep together just to, because at some point you want to have a larger pool and, and you just accept the fact that you're going to eliminate some of the, you know, you're going to iron over some of the wrinkles just by trying to get to cast a larger net to really mix some metaphors there. But no, I, I think with the new gaining grounds, uh, I, I will start a new sheet from scratch and it'll be interesting to see if we do see, like, do, do Rezzer's title suddenly drop off or does, does Nikima too manage a win? Although that I, <laughs> a, a win. Yeah, I don't, I, I want to set the bar appropriately. <laughs> and, and so, some of those things, you know, it'll be, I, so, several people aside from me have, have been having the conversation on Nakima too. And I'm certain whenever that comes around, whenever that first win <laughs> pops up, uh, everyone will be very excited for, for her and the whole keyword. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think you got it, especially if they, depending on how many strats and schemes they, they keep from two to three, which I don't think we have any indication or hints on. Yeah. We have no idea. So I, I, I assume that's going to have to be something brand new and we'll go from there. Now where it gets really interesting is weird has made it, I think very clear that they enjoy the idea of mixing GGs, which could wreak havoc yes, on would. your spreadsheet. It would, it would be, it would be horrendous. <laughs> and I mean, what, what will, what will likely happen is I will just add, like I'll, I'll add another column. And I, I almost did this after the, um, uh, the errata that came out. Um, and just have another sortable column so that you could just, you know, I want everything or I want just pre errata or I'd want just post errata. And so that's the, the way that I would solve that is just have a, you know, a label for what gaining grounds was the game played under, uh, and assume that the people would be nice and tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I do think the, uh, having filterable errata would be cool because like explorers, for example, 
got a lot of changes by volume. Mm -hmm. Um, It'd be interesting to see how they changed before and after. And given the way that I input the data, I could probably go back and find the, the rough day that the errata was released. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I'll I'll definitely have to do it with a new gaining grounds. And, and, you know, some of the stuff will be the same and, it'll be helpful just to have a full year's worth of data. The The real solution to me getting more data is for more people to play games and give me their information or, or for weird to give me access <laughs> to their stats. Although I, I've been told that people have asked in the past oh. and the answer has been a resounding, not a chance. <laughs> yeah. I also don't think the app data is going to be Probably all that useful. given the number of times that I know because I've inputted games and just hit yeah it's done it's fine yeah, yeah I don't I don't actually <laughs> yeah. update the scores you reach out to the um, faux tour guys yeah oh yeah that mm-hmm. could be a good way to do it because they I, I don't know that they ask for anything other than standings though yeah I think they yeah. look for final places but you wouldn't okay. get nearly the the fine data you need to have it be useful for you. Well, then we can force everyone to do what I do, and that's like literally record everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can give you might, so you can, can it can be <laughs> heavily skewed by the Iowa meta. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually I record all of my games in pretty much the same way, like just for personal use. No, <laughs> like that. But yeah, heavily skewed in the, uh, the mic meta. Yeah, yeah. In, in so you're looking for non. World Series games would still be added into the. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take any data that I can get. Uh, as as I as I think I said in the first <laughs> podcast, I'm I'm a very specific type of numbers nerd that that does the sort of thing like make large sortable Excel sheets for niche minis game hobbies that I enjoy for fun. So <laughs> so no, I'm. Okay. Yeah. Where do you want Where do you want us to record uh, it? Then? Send it to me on Discord. <laughs> Alright. Heard it here, folks. Find find, find me. You see the Jack of Apples floating around Discord. Just tag me with numbers and and I will be fascinated and engage (laughs) with you. Just carry numbers around with you all the time in case you run into you in the street. Just throw numbers at you. Uh, (laughs) I'm running a tournament in June, which Nathan, I expect you to be at. Um, Uh, So I can... Yeah. <laughs> so I'll I'll make sure to to write everything down and try to try to lead that oh. wave of meticulously awesome. recording data. And, and I mean, you see, you see the 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 information that I've got is is just uh, who you played, what the title was, what the score was, what your scores were on uh, on each scheme that you took, uh, deployment, strat, and then the pool. And that's actually not that much. Yeah, I, I I've actually considered. Um, submitting a a tournament request for later in the year for the uh, Malifaux World Series where the uh, one of the requirements is that you like you give me your lists and the mm-hmm. number of models alive at the end of the game or uh, the, the other the, the actual thing that I really wish that I had in this data that I think could be fascinating this data makes no distinction on a scheme between the reveal point and the end point. Oh, and that would be some really interesting stuff to dig into. Well, like bait and switch. You know, do you get the first one or do you get the second one? Yeah, I could. I I know for last 
you they wanted like they wanted you to say if it was the reveal at end point because they were running mm-hmm. a tableau, which is just like another stat site for people that don't know. And they added broke down between like they scored this for reveal and this for end for this master and whatnot for the different matchups. And and I know they intend on releasing that tableau again this year. And that, that tableau is is fascinating and I, I, I really liked digging into that. But that being released at, at the very end of the year and making it much harder to spot trends over the course of the year uh, yeah. is, is part of the reason that I, that I started doing this. And, and it's been fun to kind of note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so, some of you have seen the, the little write-ups that I do n- noting like, hey, this, this faction is suddenly playing this master. Whereas they didn't before, like at the start of this podcast, I mentioned, you know, Anya 2 and Hamlin 2 have really come on. Uh, in the last month and a half, whereas they saw almost no play in the first two months of the year. Um, and seeing little minutiae like that week to week, I, I think is really interesting. And then, of course, we can get into the discussion of whether recording the data and making it public is actually affecting the meta in real time at all. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is it? I know for Anya, too, some of that is just... Uh... One of the players has just solo soloing Anya two this season because they liked Anya one and they just want to try out Anya two for this tournament. But no, I think you might be on something read about the the data affecting the data being public because someone can say, "Oh man, I didn't know Yanlo two was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Let me go try him." Or, yeah. "Man, I really think Nekin was better than what everyone's doing. I'm gonna go prove a point and go win a game with her." You know, or, "Man, Neverborn is doing really bad. I should <laughs> help." <laughs> right. Or man, they suck. I should I should play something else. So you know, what could be a good player is being driven away from them because of the data, you know, there's there's definitely ways it yeah. could be affecting. And and I have I I've I, I only ever post stuff at the end of the week. Uh but there there have been a couple times while I'm recording stuff during the week that I've been like, wow, just everybody this round is taking, you know, last round. Just I, I think almost half of the games where people had a uh, research mission breakthrough. And, and as I'm, as I'm recording this, I'm like, well, I don't want to say anything out loud because if you haven't played your game yet and, and you make a decision <laughs> based on that, like, I, so, so no, there's, there's weird and interesting <laughs> questions with data gathering. I, I've, I continue to receive very positive feedback of people enjoying the questions and the weird quirks of finding, Hey, what's, what's the one time this has happened or, uh, you know, finding out, Hey, w- what is this? Like, w- what is the problem with such and such master? Like, what do they seem to be trying to do and failing at? And I think having this data available is, is helpful for that. And again, you know, it's not, all I'm doing is putting all the data in one place. Like all of these games are publicly recorded. Um, the, the, you know, the final scores are all released to everybody. So it's, it's, it's all there. And all I'm doing is, is putting it in one very easily sortable Excel sheet. But no, there, there's, there's always an interesting question of, uh, I mean, there, there are whole principles in physics about does observing, uh, you know, how much does observing change the outcome? And, and I think, the Malifaux World Series is at least a uh, a tight enough meta that, in that you know how much people talk about it. Yeah, it could be happening there. 
Okay, I think we might actually finally be done. <laughs> so what we're saying is we need to get Reed, like, a website to localize all this information that people can just post stuff, and then we can get it to host tournaments, and then we finally have a really good tournament uh-huh. thing that works correctly. Well, basically, we need to get you the Malfo version of Longshanks. In my uh, opinion. We, could, we could potentially reach out to... The guy who does bag of tools and Malfo ranking site. I mean, good. That's an idea. Yeah, I don't know who this who this we is. Is I, I mean, I I, I can I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I got that started the royal something. We. <laughs> yeah. Someone. I mean, Someone. Yeah, why not? Why that? Why the heck not? It's not going to hurt yeah. anything to ask. But, yeah, no, I'll start getting you my tournament information at the very least, because record everything except for the how many models left and which specific scheme point you scored. But then I can just make them do that. I can change up the sheet I've been getting yeah. out. Yeah, I already record all that, and at the end of every tournament, I save all my papers. I'm like, man, I'm going to put this in a sheet, and I'm going to do something with it. And then I never do. It sits on my desk for six months before I throw it away. So now I can make a reads problem to do something yeah. with. <laughs> I mean, if, okay. if, if I get a if I get okay. a package in the mail next week, this is a box of loose leaf paper, very chicken scratch. Uh, yeah, hopefully it's all legible because I know some of my players have handwriting. They have handwriting, um, but all right, I think that was a great second go round. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty much done as far as inform- interesting information goes, but we'll wait another like three, four or five months and then we'll reconvene and talk about what's changed and maybe there'll be a huge shakeup. Maybe we will get a mid-year errata. We'll get GD3. We'll get something huge from the, I'm assuming, book coming out in Gen Con. And I'm just excited. Numbers are cool. Numbers are cool again. <laughs> Numbers were always cool, what am I saying? <laughs> but uh yeah i think that's a good place to send off so i am your eternal host doug except when i'm not and with me was some great gentlemen thank you mike for coming on always a pleasure and a very early morning <laughs> thank you cole yeah man anytime thank you nathan from columbus no it's right Brian. Yeah. <laughs> and, and thank you, Reed. Head, it, head it, was, nerd. it was my pleasure to share my weird number obsession with people. Uh, and, and by all means, if you see me on Discord, throw numbers at me. I'm into it. <laughs> awesome. All right. And thank you, people, for listening and listening to us through the, the entirety of this, including the ramblings. Uh, and as I always say, fun is always king. Have great games. Bye. Outro music. Everybody sing that. used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.